Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God who is worthy to be praised. I'm so glad we are singing like we mean it. God's intentional. You're playing like you mean it. God, how many of you know that God is intentional? Hallelujah. 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 I praise God for my life. And I praise God for my church family, and I praise God for the blessing of worship. It is in worship that we are transformed. It is in worship that we encounter God, and God ministers unto us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. We bless your holy name, and we thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us. We ask, O oh God, for preaching power. We ask, O oh God, for clarification of your word. We pray, dear God, that right now, anyone who is distracted from you will be drawn by your Holy Spirit so that we might receive the blessings that you have in store for us. Bless us. Unify us. Keep us on the straight and narrow path so that others will look at us and see that, yes, you are an intentional God, and you are a God who wants to transform us. So bless your holy name as we go forward in worship. And the church said, amen. <clears throat> the church said, amen. In chapter 17 of John, Jesus does three things. In verses 1 through 5, he prays, prays to be glorified. In verses 13 through 21, Jesus prays for his disciples. 
And then beginning with verse number 20, Jesus prays for all believers. This could easily be a series of sermons. But I won't keep you all day. I'll just highlight a few things you need to make note of. And Jesus was having a farewell dialogue with the disciples, Minister Brett, as he was headed to Calvary. And Jesus said, there are some things that I want you to know. And in verses 1 through 5, Jesus is asking the Father to just let me see your glory and let me feel your presence. And in reading this over and over again, I realized that we need to be intentional about being transformed. And the Word of God says that when Jesus said these things, so I went back to chapter 16 to see what Jesus was saying right before he started talking with the disciples. He said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech, and now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Jesus said, you believe at last. Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and you will leave all behind. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. In other words, Jesus is saying that I want the same thing for you that I have with the Father. And he's saying that although you're going to be scattered and you're going to have problems and issues, don't worry about it. I got you covered. And Jesus is saying here that I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because he said in the world you will have trouble. Can the church say amen? In the world you will have trouble. But he said, take the heart that I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. So Jesus is really saying, Malik, to the disciples, when your hard day comes and when the season comes that the world has beat you up because you're witnessing for me, don't worry about it. I have overcome the world. And if your soul is anchored in me and the Father, then you have no problem. We have problems when we have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And what Jesus is saying is all or nothing. And Jesus wants them to know that, yes, you're going to have some hard times, but you've got to fight back with the word. And when people don't take the time to study the Bible for themselves and God's word, they tend to believe anything. But I thought it was awesome that Jesus took the time to say to them that you need to know these things because I'm going to be with the Father, and when it pops up, you'll know what to do. And so this is his final dialogue and prepping them for his crucifixion. Have you ever had anybody in your life to be uh, transitioning and they give you some final words? Uh, these are some of the things I want you to know. These are some of the things that I want you to to do. My grandma Lillian was that person. And grandma Lillian died at 99 years old. She was only two months away from her 100th birthday. But as I look back now, I'm so glad that she took the time to invest in me. I'm so glad that she took the time to tell me that the Lord will never leave you alone. 
I'm so glad that this woman who never went to school could read the Bible and tell me what thus saith the Lord. I'm so glad that she was able to live a life that God could be proud of. And what I'm asking you today is that if that was secrets, surveillance around you, what would it look like? If there were secret cameras reporting to heaven what you're doing on a daily basis, will God be glorified or will God just be awesome, awful with you? And so it's time for us to do a spiritual check-in. I read some of Martin Luther King's quotes as I was preparing this sermon, and one that really caught my attention is when he said, this was on April 3rd, 1968. He said, I have been to the mountaintop. He said that I have seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And that gives us hope. And that gives us victory because we know that one day we're going to see for ourselves. And in the prophetic finale to his speech, King revealed that he was not afraid to die. He said, like anybody, I would like to live a long life of longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. Isn't that powerful that I'm moving on? So the Holy Spirit was really telling him that your time is coming. And he has enough faith to say, but I'm not concerned about that. that I just want to do God's will. You ever wake up in the morning and say to yourself, I just want to please God today. I just want to do the Lord's will. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. I am so happy tonight. And I'm not worried about anything. I am not fearing any man because he said, my eyes, my eyes, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Oh, I wish I had a witness. And what he was really saying is that once you see the glory of the Lord for yourself, nobody can take it from you. Once the Lord has transformed your heart and you are a true witness of Jesus Christ, no backstabbing or gossip or ugly words can take you out of the presence of the Lord. So what he's really saying is that I know I'm going to transition, but I'm all right with that because I'm going to see my Father in heaven. And I pray that that is the prayer of every disciple of Pleasant Grove Church. John uses an interesting word. He uses the word sanctify. Jesus was talking to the disciples. Sanctification is God's transformation of believers' whole being. That is the mind, the will, the behaviors, and affections through the work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can't give God some of you you need to give God all of you. And what he's saying here is that transformation takes place only through the Holy Spirit. He also said, consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I'm the Lord who sanctifies you. Now, in this verse helps us to see that the word sanctification is closely related to holiness. That used to be a shameful word. People didn't want to be holy. When we would go to the Pentecostal church down in Alabama, and the sisters were jumping high, and, and the mourner's bench was filled, we thought they were overreacting. 
We actually talked about them while sitting in church, Brother James. They ought to sit down. But there's something that happens when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. There's something that happens that makes you shout even though you don't feel like it. When you feel with the Spirit of God, something happens that takes the weight of the world off your shoulders. When you feel with the Holy Ghost, something happens that wipes the slate clean. And you can say, Sister, I know you did me wrong, but I'm going to forgive you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to forgive you because I'm not going to let you keep me out of the presence of Almighty God. It's time for the church to stand up and fight back with the power of God. I started to call this sermon, The Word of God, A Lethal Weapon. And then I decided, no, I better stick with in the world, but not of the world. Because the only weapon we have in the world is the Word of God. So if you do not have the Word of God planted in your heart, you can expect failure. Because you cannot go through the battle without the Word. Jesus was going to Calvary because the Word was in his heart. And he knew that God was going to take him through. So what does it mean to be in the world but not of the world? How can I live like Jesus wants me to? So be in the world, not of the world, is a phrase that sometimes we don't understand. It refers to what Jesus said as recorded in John 15. The concept is talked about in the New Testament because even though we live in the world, we should not be of the world. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that once you give your heart to Christ, there are some worldly behaviors that should not be around you anymore. Let's say you like to curse all the time, and you are a person of the world, and you got a spiritual high when you curse somebody out, like you told them off. You ever had that happen? And then you boast about, I got her told, yeah. I told him what I really think, yeah. You see, what happens when you are of the world, you do what the world does, and you don't have any guilt about it. But once the power of God is in your soul, you can stop cursing and stop gossiping and stop drinking and stop being self-absorbed because what Jesus is trying to get the disciples to see that I'm out of here. And the church has to be active and filled with the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, I'm trusting you to do the right thing. If you have kids, you know what's that like. You leave them at home, you say, now don't do this. Don't turn on the television. Don't go out to play. Don't go in the refrigerator, eat all the food. And when you get back, they've done exactly what you told them not to do. And so what I'm saying is that this is an important season in the life of the church. I believe that this is a strong season in the life of the church because the world is getting darker and darker and darker because as we look at the facts, Kelly, the number of people who even believe that a God exists is, is growing every day. So if we're not going to be the church, how will they get to know Jesus? And so Jesus was saying that the first thing you got to do is come out of the world. We ought to have a before and after, I thought about it. I should talk to Deacon Ophelia and have a before shot. We come in and we do your new disciples orientation. And then maybe every six months, we ought to have a little session and talk about, well, what did you give up now, and where are you standing in your transformation? The phrase spiritual battle has become almost a catchphrase. 
And I also learned about the churches. A lot of times we use words and we don't understand what they mean. When Paul writes to the Ephesians, he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And what Paul wanted them to understand is that flesh will keep you in the flesh and flesh will keep you in the world. And he's saying that if you're going to overcome flesh, because you're going to be in a constant battle, you have to have the Holy Spirit shut your flesh down. There has to be some power in you to say, oh, no, we're not doing that today. Oh, no, we're not going to say that because I am in love with God. There's a battle within, there's a spiritual battle, and there's a battle in the world. Paul said, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against uh, to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And what he's saying here, unless you put on the full armor of God, you're not dressed for battle. Unless you put on the full armor of God, you might as well stay outside with your casual clothes on because you fight back with the word. And this is similar to the problem that Paul is addressing in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And what Paul is saying is that he is sharing his experiences with the church. And this is how Paul responds. Why does Paul declare that he does not wage war according to the flesh? Because if flesh takes you out, then you will respond with flesh and you come out of the presence of Almighty God. Paul sees his opponents as the strongholds and argues that we can overcome. It seems that he spent most of his time fighting spiritual battles. And what I hope you understand today, whether you know it or not, all of us are in battle. And whether you know it or not, the closer you get to God, the closer the enemy gets to you. You ever have good intentions? You ever have good intentions? I'm going to Bible study. I'm going to practice with the choir. I'm going to stop talking about people. I'm going to do some specific things so God will be glorified through my body. So while Paul was facing specific verbal attacks from local opponents, more generally, the meaning of these strongholds was raised against the knowledge of God. So the need to wage war against these strongholds in our minds is necessary because they affect every aspect of our lives. That's why George Myers said the battle is in the mind. And you see, if there are thoughts in your mind, they translate to flesh, and that's how you carry it out. Do you hold grudges? Anybody in here hold grudges? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm sure some of us do. But as you hold on to that, it changes you in the inside. And you're worthless to God. And so what Paul is saying, release, as my grandmama would say, release that garbage in the name of Jesus, and be all that you can be. So the spiritual battle, we need to begin in acknowledging that we are in a war. Battles make up smaller components of the bigger picture. And by definition, battles involve combat between two persons, between factions. As Christians, we are in a spiritual battle of some sort on a daily basis. As much as the tri church tries to go forward, there are people from the world who come in and they want to keep us right where we are. And so we got to fight the battle with the weapons that God has given us. And so what Paul is really saying here is that once we learn how to battle 
with spiritual weapons, then we're useful to God. And so he says that we will, we've got to know the word. What is your word that gets you out of trouble? Do you know what it is? What scripture is it that takes you from flesh to the presence of God? What scripture is it that reminds you of who you really are in Christ Jesus? And so Paul was saying, realize that you're in battle. I praise God for Pastor Joseph as we put together our study schedule that we included spiritual warfare because if the church is going to grow and give God glory, we got to have people in the church equipped with the word of God. So I praise God for the wisdom. The Strong's Greek and Hebrew Dictionary defines the world as the earth of the cosmos. And the world is where people dwell. So the pattern of this world refers to how the people collectively choose to live on the earth. But we as believers are told not to conform to the norms of how others live, but to live to please God, who is not of the world. And Jesus said to the disciples, I have given them your word. And he sang to the Father, I'm sorry. And the world has hated me because they are not of the world. And just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take part anyway. So the question that you need to answer today, are you of the world or are you in the world? I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. But they are yours. In other words, Jesus is saying, Lord, give the disciples the same thing you gave me. Glorify them. Bless them with your presence. Bless them with your spirit, O oh God, and they will be successful. I have given them your word. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've given them everything you told me to give. My bags are packed, and I'm on my way. But Lord, if you would just sanctify them by your truth, then I know that they will be successful. So Jesus was saying to the Father and praying for the Father to bless the disciples so that they will have the same Holy Ghost power that I have. And he said that I want them to be successful and experience the same Holy Ghost manifestations that I have in the world. Jesus shows his heart to God. How many of you have people right now that you are pleading for in the name of Jesus? How many of you have relatives right now that you're pleading the blood of Jesus over them because you know they're living with the flesh? How many of you have relatives, friends, and so forth who do not believe in God, who do not come to worship, who do not study? If they don't do those things, then there is no hope for them. So it's time for us to step up our evangelism. It's time for us to speak up for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then there's also, we must realize that there is a spiritual battle within. And there is a voice that you hear at times, and it's Satan saying, you don't have to do all of that. There's a voice you hear saying that that is not necessary. But if you belong to God, whatever God wants you to do and says that you ought to do, it is necessary in the name of Jesus. This is not about how you feel. This is about what you have committed to do. And what Jesus is saying is that you have the power to shut Satan down. 
You have the power to say, no, I'm not going with you today. You got the power to say, no, I'm going to pray my way out of here. For some of us, the hardest battles of spiritual warfare are fought within ourselves. And we can understand the circumstances and situations that the enemy uses to destroy us. We can't accept the truth of how the world lures and tempts us, and we can't seem to understand how God blesses us. Please understand that God's word is a lethal weapon. And so what we need to understand is that God has a plan for each of us. If we would only take the time to study and be in the presence of the Lord. You know when I hear from the Lord, when I'm totally quiet, don't talk on the phone, don't read any emails, don't read any text messages, I just sit and say, speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord, and tell me what it is that you want me to do. Have you ever felt that overwhelming desire within you to let sin master over you? Have you ever found yourself in a situation that you should not be in, and you asked yourself, how did I get here? Well, we ought to know you got there because the enemy gives full transportation free. The enemy is just a Uber driver that drops you off wherever you want to go. But the Holy Ghost will show you the way back. The Holy Ghost will show you what God has in store for you. We suffer in our flesh whether we feed its desires or deny its pleasures. Any overeaters in the group, instead of having a slice of cheesecake, you have four. You know you're diabetic, so why are you eating all of that? Any witnesses in the room that you know that you need to have a better diet, you need to be healthy. Anybody in here? But you're eating pork chops, and you're eating barbecue ribs, and you want everything fried, dyed, and laid to the side. Anybody here that all you want to do is have your way? See, the flesh would say, oh, it ain't all of that. You, you don't have to be healthy. I, I, I'm just, I got big hips because it comes from my family. I, I got big hips because my grandmama had big, no, you got big hips because you probably eat too much. And it's time for us to stop lying. It's time for us to face up. It's time for us to realize that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to know that through the Holy Spirit, I can say no. Through the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. We need to stop playing games. Oh, yeah, I, I'm just like that. It came from my daddy. You know my daddy was like that. Who do you blame for your shortcomings? Who do you blame for your hips? Who do you blame for your bad behavior? And so Jesus is saying, take accountability for yourself because God has already worked the plan. And if you would only live by godly standards, you will get out of the desert. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, the only way out is have the mirror test. Get your mirror out and look at it and talk to yourself. Be willing to write down, these are the things that I did in the world that I don't do anymore. Make yourself a little diary. Don't let everybody see it. Just make it for you. And this is where I was a year ago, but this is where I am now. So Jesus Christ came to the earth in the flesh. He lived a life of much suffering as he denied the desires of his flesh and the temptations of the enemy. 
our flesh will suffer just like Jesus. We can also be victorious. So the victory may not look the same as defined by the world. The world defines success based on where you live, what type of car do you drive, are your clothes designer clothes or are they from goodwill? So what is it that you spend your time on and what is it that takes you out of the presence of God? And I have learned that the trappings of the world will keep you in the flesh and you will be sinful. We lived in California from 1978 to 1983. And I said to God one day, I'm so glad that I lived in California when I was younger. Because I realized after being there is that being in California for me was keeping up with the Joneses. Because in California, everybody needed a Mercedes or a Bentley and a BMW. And it was all about name brands and showcasing where you live. I didn't live in Black Hawk, but I sure went there a lot on Saturday nights because I had friends who lived there. But the world defines us through our possessions and what we look like. Every time I go to Atlanta, I'm shocked to see how much effort that women put in their hair and how much effort they put into makeup and looking good. What if you get made up for Jesus? What if you would just decide that I'm going to get some concealer for my sinful nature and I'm going to start looking more like Jesus? Because that's what the Lord wants us to do. Don't you want the desires of your heart to be fulfilled? Don't. You want to know that God heard your prayers and all that God wants you to do because he is so good and God is so holy. So in the midst of the battle, remember that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And there are scriptures in the Bible that will tell you how to fight back the enemy and how you will win. I left somebody in the dust last week, wanted to say something negative and on and on. And I said, you know what? We don't need to continue this conversation because we're never going to agree. I'm going to agree. I love the word. I believe the word. You just go on and do what you think is best for you. Angels, demons, they all exist, but we don't have to live in fear of the supernatural. And some of us want to see everything. Well, if I can't see it, Pastor, then I don't believe it's real. If I can't see it, Pastor, then I don't believe that demons really exist. If I can't see it, there's a lot of stuff that exists that you cannot see. And what I'm trying to say, some of us can't see the dust in our own homes, but dust is there, it's everywhere. And so what I'm saying is that every now and then you ought to go and just wipe your hand across the dresser and see if the dust is really there. You need to look up and see any spider webs in your in your in your house. And so what I'm saying is that you got to be strong in the Lord. And you got to put on the full armor of God. And what worship does is worship takes us from darkness to a place of light. And it's through God's word. So we have to have worship. Worship is just like my iron tablets because I'm anemic. And if I don't take my iron tablets, I'm sluggish. And I'm not energetic at all. Oh, but when I take my iron tablets, I'm on for the witness then. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 
it's time for us to fight back. The weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him and he will flee. How many of you believe that? Resist the devil and he will flee. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the evil and he will flee from you. And Paul wraps it up, I believe, in Romans 37 through 39. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Without Jesus, there is no hope. Without Jesus, there is no inheritance. Without Jesus, there is no eternity. Without Jesus, there is no longevity. Without Jesus, there is no life. So it's time for us to recommit ourselves. It's time for us to get back on the mourner's bench and ask God to forgive us for our sins. And it's time for us to fess up and do what we need to do so that we might witness for Almighty God. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the ability to stream live. There's some people streaming right now, dear God, who are in the world and they don't know how to get out. There are people that have been trapped, oh God, in the flesh. And they need to know that your deliverance is foolproof. And that you are a God who moves in all situations through faith. So I pray right now, this God, that you will help these individuals to accept your salvation. And I pray right now, dear God, that as a church, that we will be so fired up for you, oh God, that people will ask, how can I get some of that? That people will ask, how can I walk and talk like that? And people will ask, what do you do to be saved? We thank you, God, for the simplicity of salvation. We thank you for the power of your word. And may your word be the weapon that we use every day of our lives and not the tongue that speaks flesh. We ask all of these blessings in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray that the church say, Amen. Let the church say, Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you praise God while you're coming? Come and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because you care for me in such a special way. That's why I praise you. I lift you up and I magnify your name. That's why my heart is
www.pgc-carry.org